0: and welcome back to Unsighted, the internet's least reliable English Lit Podcast. I'm Chantel.
1: And I'm Amy.
0: And June's going to be a little bit different for us because I am moving across the country. So we are going to have a little bit of a short episode today, and maybe I won't be here next week. We'll see. <laughs>
1: we'll see. You might get a Amy and guest. You might get Amy alone. You might just get June not barking in the background. We'll see. June is a dog.
0: Not the month. Oh my gosh, yeah. No, that would be a great theme episode, June for June. Yeah. I would love to see a June for June episode where you're having an interview with June.
1: Oh my gosh, that would be so cute.
0: That would be very excellent. Only
1: cute on video, though. I might do it like on an Instagram reel or something. We'll see.
0: But we're not going to do that right now. We're going to do Pride Month. Yes, or we're going to (laughs) try. We're certainly going to try. So I would like to thank... I like beer the podcast. All one word on Twitter for suggesting Walt Whitman as our LGBTQ2S plus poet for June. I was reading up on him and he was an interesting dude.
1: Um, It's funny that I like beer promoted him because he didn't really drink. So
0: I like beer the podcast supports a teetotaler. (laughs) That's excellent. Yep. So I think... First, I'll give a little bit of background on what our boy Walt was all about. Okay. So he was born in 1819. He's often called the father of free verse.
1: And also like some people call him like America's poet because like you can't have the American experience without Walt Whitman
0: kind of thing. That's very interesting. Let's see if that's the case he wrote a lot of free verse, and as we know that's my favorite form of poetry clearly so that was fun for me personally he says he had an unhappy childhood except he has one happy memory when the marquis de lafayette picked him up and kissed him on the cheek and i love that because i love the marquis de lafayette in hamilton
1: yeah well that's because <laughs> david diggs is the best thing to happen to Hamilton, the musical.
0: I would also be happy if David Diggs picked me up and kissed me on the cheek.
1: Yeah, that would be fun. That would be a fun time.
0: That would be a great memory. Yeah. <laughs> Critics assumed that he was gay or bi or queer based on his poetry, and they were big mad about it.
1: Yeah. Um, I think for the purpose of this episode, from what I've read about his life and stuff, you know, he says he's had like six children, and he says he's had, you know, lovers that are women- but then the rest of his life kind of is like, hmm, seems like you also liked men. And Oscar Wilde said that he still had Walt Whitman's kiss on his lips. So I think for the purpose of this episode, we could assume that he was at least bisexual.
0: I stan Oscar Wilde so much.
1: Oscar Wilde's a true treasure.
0: He's a delight. He is, we are just blessed to be graced by his presence in the historical canon. Yeah, at first he denied that he had relationships with men and he was like, I have six children out of wedlock and I'm like "Mm, that's not proof that you don't also like men though. There's lots of bisexual people but okay. He had an intimate companion named Peter George Doyle for 11 years from 1865 to 1876. Then they were like close-ish afterwards. At one point Whitman asked Doyle to live with him and he said no but He was also caring for his mother at the time, so it makes sense that he wouldn't want to, like, move out. And then after that relationship, he was asked again if one of his poems called Calamus, Calamus, (laughs) Calamy, was about the love between two men. And he gave a little no comment, you know. So obviously it was. Right. There were a couple other relationships he had. Like, he has a portrait done up with a quote-unquote tenant named Bill Duckett in the style of a marriage portrait. And he also had some women's sweethearts, like an actress named Ellen Gray. So I can pretty confidently say that I believe he was bisexual or pansexual.
1: Yeah, I don't necessarily think he was like, you know, from my interpretation of his life, fully on either end of the Kinsey scale. Like he was probably somewhere in the middle.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that analysis.
1: Either that or he was like fucking with everyone big time. Like he was just like, I'm just gonna make this marriage portrait and like, leave historians to deal with it
0: <laughs> and they are one of the things on his wikipedia page was i think that the sexuality of walt whitman will always be contested no matter how much evidence comes out because yeah. there's just so much going on there um and people love to debate whether bisexuals are gay or straight. So we're, today we're going to talk about Leaves of Grass. Yes. In particular, Song of Myself. Yes. Leaves of Grass is a poetry anthology that was written between around 1850 and 1855, so when Walt was in his early 30s.
1: And he kept republishing it until his death. I
0: actually love that. One of his republishings, he like basically invented the book blurb because he published an embossed version of someone's letter to him that was like, I congratulate you at the start of your illustrious career. No not
1: just someone i'm pretty sure it was waldo emerson
0: do you know who that is because i didn't
1: he's an american okay yeah okay so we're not americanists we're just gonna put that out there (laughs) so ralph waldo emerson was a um an abolitionist a lecturer and he wrote a bunch of poems and essays he seems to be an american philosopher which for us would mean absolutely nothing so but he like i know he's famous because i know like you know people like john green have mentioned him in videos and stuff so like i knew who he was ish kind of but like i didn't really know him but apparently having his kudos on your book helps with sales
0: i mean having stephen king kudos helped michael grant and michael grant is now one of my favorite authors so yeah kudos kudos anyway where does the word kudos (laughs) come from though this is an etymology podcast now. I want to know. Are you going to look it up?
1: Yeah. Okay, so it's a North American thing. Come on, Oxford languages. Tell me more.
0: Like, does he have a car?
1: <laughs> oh, okay. It comes from a Greek, Greek word, kaitos, which means praise or renown.
0: I mean, yeah, it's accurate.
1: Yeah. I, also, it might be pronounced like kitos. I am, I'm not Greek.
0: Kalanapatis. <laughs> anyway, Song of Myself. Yes. Is a poem.
1: An epic, some might say, I think.
0: I I don't think they would because it's not a narrative poem. Okay. But it is a very long poem. It is about 1,300 lines. We're not gonna go through all of it. But a rundown is basically, it's it's kind of like another anthology within the anthology, it seemed to me, because it was like split by a section and then each section seemed like its own poem. There are some problematic parts, like there are some uses of slurs for people of color and sex workers. He has really iffy values around slavery. He wanted slavery to be abolished, but only for the benefit of white workers and he still thought black people shouldn't be able to vote which is not good like yeah. he wasn't great
1: no he was like i don't he like he was he was an abolitionist in the sense that he didn't want slavery but like he was also like don't go and give them any rights though which is bad
0: yeah like he was no oscar Wilde.
1: no they might have fraternized but they were not the same kind of person
0: yeah so we don't have time to unpack all of that uh. No, we do not. And anyway, I think the best way to break it down is by section. Okay. Yeah, I agree. So I think I'm going to highlight a couple sections about his love life and sexuality. But first, I want to share with you a really special show called Best Book Club with Shanna and Jen. It truly is the Best Book Club. Shanna and Jen remind me a lot of us in that they are hilarious um and they have a very similar sense of humor but they the books they talk about are more contemporary and books i might actually want to read one day so uh here's their promo hello everyone I'm Shanna. And I'm Jen. And we are the hosts of the Best
1: Book Club podcast. We're just two friends who can't stop talking about everything books and book club. So join us every Wednesday as we talk about all the bookish topics. Which friend's character is your vagina? (laughs) (laughs) Discuss great books. It rhymes with a smong of a smillies. And occasionally not so great books. Oh, Wait. (laughs) This is my one-star review of The the Queen's Gambit. I was going to (laughs) say, I really like this reviewer. She knows what she's (laughs) talking about. I'm looking at you, Queen's Gambit. And then at the end of every month, we host a book club that you are all invited to. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts to never
0: miss an episode. And we will see you all at book club. So section four, I think, has a line that overtly tells us he's bi or pan. The danza I was interested in is the first one of section four. Trippers and askers surround me. People I meet, the effect upon me of my early life or the ward and city I live in or the nation. The latest dates, discoveries, inventions, societies, authors, old and new. My dinner, dress, associates, looks, compliments, dues. The real or fancied indifference of some man or woman I love. The sickness of one of my folks, or of myself, or ill-doing, or loss, or lack of money, or depressions, or exaltations, battles, the horrors of fratricidal war, the fever of doubtful news, the fitful events. These come to me days and nights and go from me again, but they are not me, myself. I see. So that was a lot.
1: Yeah. We have time to unpack all of that.
0: We do have time to unpack all of that. So the real or fancied indifference of some man or woman I love, like he's saying He loves men and women. Yeah. I don't know why people are still debating this. It's written from his perspective and he calls himself Walt in the poem. It's not like a a narrative poem from a narrator.
1: Yeah, I think like, you know, there's something to be said about like, you know, non-romantic love. But like with the rest of the themes in the poem, like his poems were often like seen as crass because they talked about obscene stuff like love.
0: Sensuality. Oh, no.
1: Sensuality. But I think like this is pretty clear, like he didn't not love men as well, you know?
0: Like he definitely loved whoever he loved. I think this is just showing us like he didn't believe that his identity relied on who he loved. Mm -hmm. Like he was something else. This kind of reminds me of something that totally effed with my brain. That my professor talked about where he was like, you can't really describe yourself. Like yourself is a thing within you that you can't reach or describe. You're like a donut and you can describe everything around it. But yourself is a hole in the middle and you don't know what it is.
1: Myself is a timbit?
0: Yourself is a timbit. (laughs) Ah, Timbit of myself, a song by Walt Whitman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I want to be the birthday cake or the only one worth eating.
0: Oh my gosh, you did it. You cracked the code. Also, like the
1: Honey Cruller ones, but then again, you could just get a Honey Cruller.
0: I feel like we've reviewed Tim's food on this podcast before.
1: I like—I must have mentioned how much I love the breakfast sandwiches. I
0: think you did.
1: <laughs> At Tim Hortons, please sponsor us. Your coffee is garbage, but I will drink your ice caps to get rid of my migraines.
0: It keeps happening. Oh no. Okay, later on. <laughs> Section six, there's a section where he talks about grass, shocking, in an anthology called Leaves of Grass. I know.
1: Grass here is not marijuana.
0: No, it's, it's the lawn. The lawn. The thing that is useless to us as a society and we should replace it with native vegetation such as clover.
1: We're going to be great homeowners.
0: I'm anti Lawn. Same. A child said, what is the grass? Fetching it to me with full hands. How could I answer the child? I do not know what it is any more than he. So he's getting a little existential on us here. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he talks about how the green stuff is hopeful and a woven flag of his disposition. And it's a handkerchief of the Lord and a scented gift. I
1: hate the smell.
0: And the grass itself is a child. Right. And then he's talking about what's beneath the grass. And he says, and now it seems to me the beautiful uncut hair of graves tenderly I will use you curling grass it may be you transpire from the breasts of young man it may be if I had known them I would have loved them it may be you are from old people or from offspring taken soon out of their mother's laps and here you are the mother's laps right so he's talking about love again but I think the way he's talking about it now like it's a very spiritual love he's talking about in this poem. Like, it's a sensual love at some points, but I think he kind of intertwines spirituality and sensuality.
1: Yeah, I think from what I I heard through my half speed listening to it because I didn't have time to listen to it at a normal speed. Yeah. A lot of it is, like, he doesn't seem like an overtly religious kind of person, but he does seem like a very spiritual kind of person. Yeah. And I think there's, there's something to be said about, you know, a mother's love typically is seen as being unconditional right Mm -hmm. and i feel like you know this idea that like the grass which comes from the earth you know and like it's associated with mother's love like we have this idea that like the earth has an unconditional love for the people that you know live on it and then become it later on you know
0: yeah it's kind of a throwback to like the mother earth thing from paradise lost yeah and i think the fact that it's sensual it threw the original readership off which is why people were so upset about the quote obscenity yeah of it because i think in the 1800s not that it's not now <laughs> but i think in the 1800s especially america was very puritanical
1: yeah it had like a wave i guess like it was okay in like the 70s of this last century and now it's getting back to those like super conservative ideas of love and stuff yeah so america goes in waves i think is what we're seeing here
0: america goes in waves like the ocean laughing upon the leaves of grass so look i wrote another stanza (laughs) um and i think they had a really hard time reconciling that he could be like sensual and spiritual and horny and wise yeah as one of the articles i read put it
1: yeah like there seems to be this inability to like see him like him the narrator him walt as well i think as like a complex human being
0: yes they can't see his timbit
1: they can't see his timbit (laughs) um they only see the real donut but they don't see the timbit and i think you know not being able to see people as full people gets us into like this perilous situation you know how we like okay i'm gonna use this weirder example you know how we see mothers as only mothers yeah and we stop seeing them as like you know sexual beings funny people people who can have fun like they're like oh you're having fun but you're a mom it's like
0: yeah it can be both yeah people totally do that with moms not with dads interestingly enough yeah
1: no dads can still go to the bar but like mom can't anger (laughs) but yeah i think you know this inability to imagine people as more than one thing is bad for society yes and that's probably why they were like oh no we can't have this multitudes
0: yes we contain multitudes what is that from from this are you serious I'm like
1: 90% sure I heard it at the end. Oh my
0: god. Oh my god. Oh my god.
1: Do I contradict myself? Very well then, I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes.
0: Oh my god, I can't believe I did that.
1: It's in part 51 though, so you're probably like, am I done yet? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh, it was a really long poem, but it's interesting that he wrote a poem that was fully about like, I'm more than one thing, you're more than one thing, we're all more than one thing, and then people looked at it and they were like, why are you such a horny guy? That's your only thing. They were like, hmm,
1: I could pick out, you know, the helping people, the understanding people, the compassion he shows, you know, some of the anger he has. No, no, The only emotion I want to focus on is his horniness.
0: Horniness, the primary emotion.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He gets to be horny in this, whereas I cannot be horny in the street, and therefore I'm going to be mad about it because this time (laughs) is bad and sad.
0: Can you describe the primary emotion of this poem? Yeah, I would describe this poem as horny.
1: Not that it made me horny. I just felt like the narrator was horny.
0: Oh my goodness. Yeah, I think when he talks about loving people, he's talking about like loving people based on their cause connections you know like it seems very like I don't care we're all people going around everyone's interesting it doesn't matter what you look like or what your gender is it doesn't matter like how I would ship people when I was a kid and I was watching Blue's Clues and I would ship the two girl dogs in Blue's Clues I love them all all the ships that's how Walt Whitman felt about love
1: I feel also like Walt Whitman and this is funny It's kind of like the anti-manic pixie dream girl. (laughs) And it's funny because this poem features heavily in Paper Towns, which is about a manic pixie dream girl ish kind of as she tries to not be
0: yeah it's about like deconstructing the manic pixie dream girl but please expand on how he's the anti-manic pixie dream girl i'm interested
1: i just feel like he has so many facets whereas the manic pixie dream girl has like her quirkiness and that's all that whoever is in love with her or him it can be a manic pixie dream boy let's be real <laughs> but you know whoever's has him as their their eye of love the object of their eye or whatever you guys call it in english
0: the apple of their eye the object of their affections yes that one
1: um both <laughs> but you know they, they don't see them as complex human beings and i think that walt whitman here is explicitly showing that people are complex and therefore the opposite of a manic pixie dream girl
0: so manic pixie dream girls do not contain multitudes
1: well they do but not in the eye of the beholder
0: ah like walt whitman
1: Yes. Oh no, Walt Whitman's Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Oh no. <laughs> he
0: doesn't want to be, but he is. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to rain on your Walt Whitman parade.
1: Well, he's not all that great. I mean, he only became famous in the UK because of a fucking Rossetti, so, and not the right one. Is it Dante? Uh, no, it was the other one, William. Yeah,
0: I mean Dante's the only one I actively dislike, so that's I mean, fine. It's, we just we
1: only stand one Rosetti, and everybody else is wrong. We made an executive decision.
0: That's fair. The way that. Walt Whitman talks about love reminds me of that one scene in Schitt's Creek you know when they're in the wine store and Stevie is like I like white wine and I was under the impression you also liked white wine and David's like hmm well I do like white wine and I like red wine and I've been known to sample the occasional rosé. I think that's how Walt Whitman feels.
1: I literally watched that episode like a couple weeks ago because I'm rewatching Schitt's Creek.
0: <laughs> Always a good choice. Yeah.
1: And I saw this and I was like, this is such a good, easy, simple explanation of what it is to like just like people, you know? Yeah. For them being people. And I'm like, wow, great love it we should have more of these simplified ways of talking about things and people will be less bigoted maybe but then maybe again they won't because people people trash sometimes
0: and you do love an analogy
1: i do i really do
0: there's one other part that i want to highlight as sexual but in like a weird way (laughs) oh please let's i'm so pumped that you said that. He's talking about nature in section 32. Kay. A gigantic beauty of a stallion, fresh and responsive to my caresses. You, your face is bringing me joy. Okay. That's not part of the poem. It just is. Nope. Head high in the forehead, wide between the ears, limbs glossy and supple, tail dusting the ground, eyes full of sparkling wickedness, ears finely cut, flexibly moving. His nostrils dilate as my heels embrace him, his well-built limbs tremble with pleasure as we race around and return. I but use you a minute, then I resign you, stallion. Why do I need your paces when I myself out-gallop them, even as I stand or sit passing faster than you? Okay. Now I first need to say, I don't think Walt Whitman wants to bang a horse. I just don't think he's talking about a horse. Right. I don't know. What this conjured up to me was spoiler alert for the wars. That scene in the brothel where he sees his commander getting ridden like a horse. Yeah. I I don't know. I couldn't get that image out of my head when I was listening to this part of it. And the way he's describing the horse is like way too sensual for a horse also, what is this? I outgallop your paces. You do not literally run faster than a horse. So what could that possibly mean? <laughs> I think we know. I, I mean, okay, so people
1: couldn't see my, my faces because again, we're not on the YouTubes. <laughs> the entire time I was just like, oh no. Oh no, where are we going with this? <laughs> like a stallion is, it's a male horse. And clearly he uses like male pronouns. And like, like you're not gonna go caress a horse- Right? I mean, you can pat a horse. Yeah, but it's not like, not in this way, man. You know?
0: Yeah, like you don't embrace a horse with your heels and he doesn't tremble with pleasure when you do so.
1: Yeah, I feel like horses are like, oh no, I gotta run, but I don't know what I'm running from.
0: They're not like, yeah i'm sure they would rather you not be there actually yeah (laughs) they can run on their own without the heels embracing so i don't know what is up with this and i actually i do i do know what's up with this yeah i mean he also
1: says like right above that he says picking out here one that i love and now i go with him on brotherly terms but like "Mm."
0: brotherly terms. You want to talk about that? They were gal pals. They shared
1: the same stable. <laughs> and they were stable mates. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree there's like this this animalistic thing that's very much present in The Wars as well. Which again, The Wars has a lot of like like camaraderie stuff in it. This could come into play here.
0: Yeah, but it's very homoerotic camaraderie. Yes. Yeah, I don't think he needed to code the sexuality so i could just be totally off we could be talking about a horse but if i know anything about poetry is he's probably not just talking about a horse if
1: i know anything about horses and anything that has to do remotely with any type of war this isn't actually about the horse
0: yeah yeah and there's one last poem that i wanted to touch on that's not song of myself even though song of myself we could talk about all day long can i just bring up the fact
1: that not only does he talk about canada But he also talks about Newfoundland. And I need to point out that at this time, Newfoundland was not a part of Canada.
0: That's a good point, Amy.
1: And I think that's fun that he brings that up. And I think it's very much like the New England experience with Canada, you know? Yeah. Which I enjoyed. So Walt Whitman gets a plus one on uh, Amy's OK chart because he brought up Canada and he brought up Newfoundland as its own entity because it was. What other poem are you are you looking to...
0: I would like to talk about the poem, Sometimes With One I Love, which is also from Leaves of Grass, and it is a very short poem, which I prefer, because then I don't have to read 1,300 lines. So here's the poem. Oh, can I read it? Yes. Okay, so here's
1: the poem. Sometime with one I love, I fill myself with rage, for fear I effuse unreturned love. But now I think there is no unreturned love. The pay is certain one way or another. I loved a certain person ardently and my love was not returned. Yet of that I have written these songs.
0: So I really like the idea that there's no unreturned love because once you put love out into the universe, like you're getting something back already. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not like romanticizing unrequited love like is usually creepily done.
1: Yeah, it's just like I put this in out into the world and then, you know, I didn't get love back, but I did get, you know, all of these songs that i then
0: i got some inspiration yeah and art is pain and art is pain <laughs> but also this is an interesting line i loved a certain person yeah interesting that the person is not gendered because it reminds me of like you know when you're first like just before you come out and you're like i like this person and um i'm not sure if this person Likes me back. And it's like, everyone knows what you're talking about, dude. I mean, you said
1: you know, and I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm sorry. This is not a lived experience, but I
0: have no, but you know, you know, when people. I have been on the listener side of that conversation. <laughs> yes. I shouldn't have said you. I should have said, You know when one?
1: (laughs) (laughs) When one does X, (laughs) Y, Z. Or whenever you're like, you don't know if someone likes men or likes women. And you're like, you know, do you like people? Do you like them? Do
0: you have a spouse? I love that. I love gender neutral language that is getting more popular to describe people's romantic situations because it's just so much more inclusive of people who are in same gender relationships.
1: That's why like, I have a boyfriend, but I often refer to him as my partner. Also, because I find the term boyfriend to be pedantic that's a different story yes just because i'm like well if i say partner it might make whoever else is on the receiving end of this conversation feel okay with using that term themselves for their own
0: safety within talking about their relationship yeah that's a good ally thing to do amy
1: thank you for patting me on the shoulder for being decent
0: (laughs) i also say my partner yeah that's fair yes so um people can like more than one gender yeah people can also
1: like you know all the genders because there's more than one or two or
0: three people of all genders and sexualities can be problematic in other ways yep and I think that's what we've learned today about our boy Walt Whitman. Yeah,
1: this is Pride Month and we want to to support the community as much as we can. And we also have to like check our privilege to live in a country I think that we can we can talk about this.
0: Yes. So I technically didn't pick this poet. I picked the poems, but I would like to rate them as well. Okay. So I think the rating scale that I am attributing on behalf of I Like Beer the Podcast, all one word on Twitter, who suggested Walt Whitman, thank you again. Is on a scale of one to fifty-five thousand leaves of grass. What would you rate these poems? Fifty-five thousand. Okay. Yes, that's how many leaves of grass are in my backyard. I went and I counted just now.
1: I think I would. I would rate this like a thirty thousand leaves of grass. You know, like a small park. Thirty thousand. Yeah, like a small patch yeah. in a park kind of thing. I think it was good. I think uh, Walt Whitman is a complex human being. I think that I'm not an Americanist, so this kind of stuff <laughs> kind of just flows uh, above my head and uh yeah i think it's going to be interesting though for like if we have this conversation now for when we eventually get to paper towns yeah it'll be good for the listeners to have a semblance of an idea <laughs> about it and we can we can always uh, circle back and touch back on it later
0: yeah also in paper towns they like assign this for high school reading i think like the english teacher was like hey you should read this poem um very long poem. I wouldn't recommend it for high school reading.
1: Like, I would recommend maybe, like, parts of it, but not, like, all of it. Yeah. Like, you can probably pick and choose some stuff. Leave out the the stallion parts for uh, fear that people might misinterpret it at us.
0: I don't know if we misinterpreted it or if we're the only ones who interpreted it correctly.
1: Ooh, ooh, you're giving us a lot of hype here.
0: <laughs> so
1: on a scale of...
0: Um, one to 55,000? Yeah,
1: one to 55,000.
0: Okay, I think I would give it like a 20,000, like definitely less than half of the leaves of grass that is the total leaves of grass. I like the poems vibe um what women's a humanist and that's like nodding to transcendentalism so it's like oh we are all little specks floating around in the cosmic vastness of the universe you know so like i like i'm into that i i can get down with that I didn't like the slurs. Uh, I thought that was very uncalled for and it gave me pause. Yeah,
1: I liked that there was like depiction of various types of people. I think that was interesting from a perspective of the time. However, I don't like how the time talked about people and I feel like we we could do better today. see i didn't like the weird like cosmic stuff oh you didn't like that mm, it gives me a lot of panic attacks to think about the world mm. too much
0: i mean you also like can't think about the universe too much or just like your head will explode
1: yeah like i suddenly watched a Vlogbrothers video hank was talking about like the sun getting bigger and and my brain just like i couldn't take it and i've been in like a panic state for the last 24 hours oh no so great love it love existentialism this is not a great poem for today
0: someone once told me about quantum physics and they were like technically nothing exists and i was like i hate you i need you to stop talking why have you done this
1: i can't watch a lot of like space stuff because i was like oh the universe just keeps expanding and i'm like i don't like it make it stop <laughs> Like my boyfriend's like, "Oh, like we'll we'll watch this movie." And I'm like, "What is it about?" He's like, "Aliens." And I'm like, "Nope." And he's like, "Okay, we can watch this. It's about dystopians." And I'm like, "Nope." <laughs> he's like, "This is about the future." And I'm like, "No. No, no." He's like, "Do you want to watch a buddy cop show?" And I'm like, "Okay." Okay, we can do that.
0: (laughs) Let's just watch Hamilton. I want to get kissed on the cheek by Daveed Diggs. We watched it together once and
1: he was like, this was fun. And then we never watched it again. But sometimes he listens to the music.
0: Hamilton is safe. We should do a
1: Hamilton thing sometime.
0: Yeah, maybe we'll do like like an episode swap with a musical podcast. Yeah, we can just broaden our horizons. Would you say that uh, we can get some new horizons? no no i would not okay um i think we've taken a journey today <laughs> and yeah! and we should probably sign off for the week um we thank you so much for sticking by us and listening
1: to whatever this was
0: <laughs> we are so grateful for every single person who tunes in if you liked this episode for some reason <laughs> We would really appreciate a five-star rating and review on Podchaser or Apple Podcasts. You can also check us out on Twitter at unsightedpod, on Instagram at Yeah. or send us an email via at outlook.com.
1: And I, I posted another picture on Catterday, so I would appreciate more pictures of your cats or your dogs or your snakes or your birds or the chipmunks you feed in your yard. Or your horses. Oh, yes. Send me pictures of your horses if you have horses.
0: Yeah, I think that's it for us. Thank you for listening. We hope to see you in two weeks.
1: And as always, we're excited and available. Because we made no sense.